Pastor Xavier Reese and finishing well the walk of faith. Psalmist in Psalm 92 puts it this way, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord Yahweh shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Are you as excited or more so now than when you first believed in the Lord? How is your passion for the Lord and for the service of the Lord? Has it waned? Servants, to the very end. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Gideon turns down the opportunity of a lifetime when the people asked him to be their king following his leading of Israel's military defeat over the Midianites. Gideon responds to Israel's request by reminding them that God is their king. It appears that Gideon is on the right track. Yet Gideon quickly veered from God to gold and consequently became greedy and idolatrous with his failure in the test of prosperity. Pastor Xavier has the rags to riches tale in a simple truth study titled Gideon, the Entitled Vessel. Let's listen. Gideon has been commissioned by God to defeat the Midianites with absolute certainty when he was a weak vessel in chapter 6. Gideon was communicated by God the conditions for the victory and the victory came as a broken vessel in chapter 7 and 8. Now we see Gideon as an entitled vessel. And so God records the grievous conduct of the people of God after God delivered them from the Midianites, verse 22 to 35. The people requested for Gideon to be their king. The people were so impressed with Gideon. He was a hero. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us. Man, that is so enticing. They were willing to extend this reign, this commitment, till the third generation. You, your sons, your grandsons. They said this knowing God had called, commissioned, and clothed him with the Holy Spirit to enable him for the victory. That's the backdrop. They said this knowing God reduced the army of Israel from 32,000 to 10,000, then even to 300. They said this knowing God had done it with pitchers lanterns and trumpets and God turned the enemy on himself. They had all the accurate information. Yet these people were giving Gideon the honor and the credit for the victory over the Midianites. Listen to the words. For you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. Say what? Who delivered you? We get so impressed with men, ladies and gentlemen, that we act stupid. <laughs> the very reason God reduced the army from 32,000 to 300 was that they wouldn't come to this place. The judge Gideon denied the request of the people to be their king. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. Commendable. Notice he reminded them that the honor belonged to God. The Lord Yahweh shall rule over you. Then notice the request of Gideon was that the people express their indebtedness to him. Gideon asked for the spoils of war. Gideon was able to deny, notice, the honor of being their king, but he was not able to resist the self-indulgence like a king. 
Then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you, that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder. Each individual, all the spoils of war they took, the earrings. He passed the test of adversity. I won't be king. But he failed the test of prosperity. That's our flesh. Then comes the recklessness of Gideon. It was to plant the seeds of idolatry again. 27 through 28. Look at 27. Gideon set up an altar in his city. What? He made a model of the ephod of the priest. His sincere intent did not matter. It would corrupt the people as we're going to see. He and all the people bowed down to the ephod, it says in 27. All Israel played the harlot with, with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and his household. The ephod pertained to the priests, as you know. The breastpiece of judgment was attached to it, or the Urim and the Thummim, which was believed to be maybe a black or a white stone by which the priest would know the mind of God. Exodus 28, Exodus 39, a couple of passages. There's others. Gideon had no right to make an idol image. He had destroyed the altar of Baal, remember, and set up the altar of Yahweh and Oprah back in chapter 7, 24 through 30, where God gave him his first orders to start at home. His father had an idol, an altar there, and he destroyed it down, and God turned the hearts of his father and others. What is he doing? Gideon went from a servant to a celebrity. That's the problem. He had now left the people of Israel worse than at the beginning. Having removed the altar of Baal and the chastening hand of God, they were led back into idolatry by the very man who had been used to deliver them. The country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. The 40 years of quiet rest was a slow, progressive polluting of themselves. The foolishness of Gideon led them back to what? To bondage. Now notice, secondly, comes the slothfulness of Gideon. Gideon was indifferent and self-absorbed despite the condition of the nation. Don't miss this. He did not continue to be a God-directed influence for the people, but he lived for self. Listen to his words. Then Jerubel, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house. Now, there's nothing wrong with resting or enjoying your family. The problem is the context. Gideon is a judge. He's to be directed, guided, and continue to be a judge over the affairs of the people. He became indifferent, lazy about his responsibility. As all this is going on, he sets up an idol. Progressively, the people are going towards it. It's going to be a snare. It's like you sitting watching the TV program and all of a sudden your kitchen's on fire. You say, oh, it's okay. The program's real good. It's cold anyway. He's concerned only with his own pleasure. Listen to the words. Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring for he had many wives. Gideon became a slave to his flesh. In 31, Gideon was not satisfied with the many wives to meet his sexual needs. He had another woman in the city of Shechem, his concubine, and bore him a son. Notice he named his son Abimelech. 
It means my father is king. Also a title for the Philistine kings. Though he has rejected, I will not be king over you. He wanted the wealth of a king. He wanted the spoils from kings. And he even gives a name to his son from his concubine that he was king. Though Gideon had declined the offer of king, he considered himself king in heart. Look at 32. Gideon came now to the end of his life. He lived long. Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age. It simply means that he lived long. That's all. He was buried in his hometown in the tomb of Joash, his father, in Ophrah of the Abyssalites, where it all started. Born, live, and die in the same town. This was Gideon. Every believer has to guard against becoming slothful in the work of God, ladies and gentlemen. Many are so excited when they first are saved. They're involved in ministry. Man, they're just excited. And all of a sudden, they just stop. They lose interest. They're distracted. They're attracted to something else. Sometimes others are totally committed and faithful for years. And all of a sudden, you don't see them. In fact, you're so used to seeing them that you don't even miss them. And all of a sudden, one day you say, where the heck are they? Now, somebody moves and goes to another church. They usually come and tell us and say, hey, listen, we're going to be moving. Could you pray for us? Sure, let's pray. You know, God bless you and all that. But they just drop out of sight all of a sudden. They're not serving. Then there are those who are ever fixed. They serve till the Lord takes them home. They don't bring attention to themselves. They don't make a lot of noise. They just, they're like these pillars. I'm sure you don't notice them when you come in, but they serve a great purpose. They hold up the roof. (laughs) Paul put it this way to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare engages himself with the affairs of his life that he may please him who enlists him as a soldier. Focus. Vigilant. Psalmist in Psalm 92, 12 through 15 puts it this way. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord Yahweh shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord Yahweh is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Are you as excited or more so now than when you first believed in the Lord? If you were a a single person and then you've been married, you've raised kids, now your kids are gone. How is your passion for the Lord and for the service of the Lord? Has it waned? Do you now say, well, you know, I've gone through all that. Now it's somebody else's turn. What? What if your hand said, you know, I've been around for a long time and I'm just, I'm going to retire. Your hand ever tell you that? How about a foot? Ladies, how about your tongue? God will retire you. He'll take you home. The slothfulness of Gideon led him back to what? A life of self. A life of self. Notice 30, 33 to 35 comes the unfaithfulness of Israel to Gideon. In 33, the people of God had been liberated from idolatry. 
Now they return to idolatry. The Israelites became unfaithful to God. The time was after the usual pattern at the death of the judge. So it was as soon as Gideon was dead. It took place with Othaniel, Ehud, Shamgar, and Deborah. Now it's Gideon. The sin was spiritual adultery. The children of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals. This is the background for the sixth judge that's coming, Jephthah. All this, every man was doing was right in his own eyes because there was no king on the throne of Israel. Notice the Israelites became faithful then to Baal. The particular Baal's name is Bel Berith, the Lord of a covenant, a God of the Canaanites and of the Philistines. There was a temple to him in Shechem. The utter deception was sad. Listen to the words. Is there God? They've gone from the living God to a dead God. The word God is not capitalized. He's not a true God. He has no life in him. He's worshipped through idols, accompanied with some of the vilest sexual practices imaginable, even in the present day. Psalm 115, 4 through 8 says, they have eyes they can't see, they have ears they can't hear, they have hands they can't handle, they have feet they can't walk. And those that worship them become just like them, insensate, blind, deaf, crippled, spiritually. The people of God did not pass on their history about their God. That's the key failure, 34 and 35. The Israelites forgot to communicate with their children the covenant they made with God. They remembered him only when they were being oppressed. 34 says, thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord Yahweh their God. You remember in chapter 6 verse 7? It says, and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord Yahweh because of the Midianites. He's an emergency God. Once God gets you out, hey, you're done. You forget all about God. I used to be like that as a Catholic. When I got hit head on in 1969, November 18th, and I was in a coma for about 10 to 12 days. When I left that hospital, I went to the Catholic church. I lit a candle. And I said, God, thank you. I know it's because of you. I knew it was for him. But when I walked out of that church, I went on partying and everything. Didn't change my life. He's an emergency God. The prophet of God rebuked them, remember, in chapter 6, 8 through 10, for their disobedience. An emergency God. They forgot their God again. Once they're bailed out, how often we've seen this through the past 40 years of my life. They forgot their terrible bondage. It says, who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies in every side. They became free and prosperous overnight. They did not cultivate their worship of Yahweh. Listen, through the 40 years, the seeds of idolatry was planted by the man who delivered them, and he acted like nothing was going on. He just reaped the spoils of war and of being used by God. What a sad commentary on Gideon. The Israelites forgot to communicate with their children the courageous obedience of Gideon, even though he's failed here. They forgot to, to, to remind their children of this. Therefore, they became vicious and cruel to his children. 35 says, nor did 
they show kindness to the house of Jerubabel. Jerubabel is the name given to him when he broke down the altar bell. The word kindness, hesed, means loving kindness. It is a covenant word used for God. It becomes, uh, it's, it's God's faithfulness, his loving kindness in spite of our evilness. And here they became unkind. Why? Because they were treacherous covenant breakers. Had no integrity. The name Jerubbabel, remember, again, his father gave it to him. There at the tearing down of the altar in chapter 6, verse 32. Abimelech would slay 69 of the 70 sons of Gideon, leaving only one, Jephthah, in chapter 9, verse 4 through 5. This little idol he made would become a snare to him and his family through his son in Shechem. Abimelech, remember, means my father is king. Abimelech felt that he had the right to reign over all 70 legitimate sons because he was the heir to the kingdom. He had the name. Even though God had used Gideon as his instrument, they were unkind, ungrateful. He says, in accordance with the good he had done for Israel. They treated the house of Gideon as a rival. They treated the house of Gideon as an enemy in the next couple of chapters. The cycle is repeated again. Apostasy, bondage, cry for deliverance, deliverance, brief obedience, apostasy again. Every mandate was right in his own eyes because there was no king on the throne of Israel. We as Americans are living in our own period of judges in the United States. Absolutely. No person is responsible for the choices of others, be they family or friend. But if their choice to sin is due to my influence or my bad example, God will hold me responsible, and more if I'm in a position of responsibility. More so. We're to be lights to those around us. We're to be salt to those around us. We're to encourage believers to walk with God. We're to comfort, reprove, rebuke those who are in sin and even excommunicate them as evidence of our love. Proverbs 27, 5 through 6 says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful the wounds of a friend, but the kids of the enemy are deceitful. If my child walks away from God and does not walk with God, God help me if it's because of me my bad example. If I'm the example and I'm praying, I'm holding the mark, I'm bringing the consequences, my child makes that decision as he leaves my home, he's responsible. But if I am part of it, God will hold me responsible. No if or but about it. It does not take long to forget the goodness and the kindness of God if we do not maintain our relationship with him on a daily basis. Spending time with the Lord in prayer. Spending time in the word and just meditating upon the word. Lord, what do you mean by this? How does it apply to my life? Pondering it. Spending time with the church body and study of the word worship and service in the trenches. 
as we rub elbows, as we see what God does in us and through us. Because God's a copy love prompts us to do that. Paul put it this way in Colossians 1, 21 through 23. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Listen carefully. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians. He's warning Christians. You do not warn dead people. You evangelize them. You warn people who are alive, who can respond. It does not take long for a person to revert to their old lifestyle. If you keep catering to your flesh and don't cultivate the life of the Spirit, happens real fast. It takes much longer to cultivate and build and maintain to destroy 1,000 a second. Listen to Peter in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11. He says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence after your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge to knowledge, self-control to self-control, perseverance to perseverance, godliness to godliness, brotherly kindness to brotherly kindness, agape love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking to Christians. For he who lacks these things, he's talking to Christians, is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. That can only be a Christian. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What an incredible exhortation to the believer. The unfaithfulness of Israel to Gideon led them to a life of self-preservation. Only the strong survive. You're the master of your life. That's what happens. Never say never, ladies and gentlemen. I've seen too many other people sitting in the chair you're sitting that have gone down that way. Too many. It's a heartache. God recorded the grievous conduct of the people of God after he delivered them from the Midianites. Describing it by the foolishness of Gideon that led them back to bondage. The slothfulness of Gideon that led him back to a life of self. The unfaithfulness of Israel to Gideon that led them to a life of self-preservation. You're the most important, right? Everybody else is expendable. Wow. Every man's doing what's right in his own eyes because there was no king on the throne of Israel. Who's on the throne of your life? Jesus or you? Make all the difference in the world. I hope you're not an entitled vessel. It's not a good place to be. Don't tell me how much God has used you. Tell me that he's still using you. That you're still a servant, not a celebrity. <laughs> 
Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating Israel's all-too-familiar scenario of bondage to prosperity to self-preservation with a study drawn from Judges chapter 8 today. And this message titled, Gideon, the Entitled Vessel, is available on CD upon request for just $4. Having your own copy allows you to review the study again at your own pace. Plus, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Gideon, the Entitled Vessel, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com